0: welcome listeners but take heed we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge thoughts and joy and even things that do annoy so join us now but be aware we have a tendency to swear we'll dial it back a little bit but frankly we don't give a shit
1: welcome to just keep rolling a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast I'm Katie and the Connecticut snowshoe hare in the seat next to me is
0: Ellen Better than being a hairy Connecticut snowshoe. Is that, is that a sex thing? That sounds like a sex thing. Everything sounds like a sex thing to you. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. Well, So let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week we covered the first half of Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. The entire student body sees Harry as just being one temper tantrum away from spilling everything about Cedric's death. Hermione plays dirty when the twins start using first years as lab rats. All of her wood possesses Angelina as Quidditch tryouts loom nearer. Draco's shade towards Hagrid makes the trio want to sick a bow truckle on him. And Luna continues to be awkwardly whimsical as she so eloquently declares her support for Harry. But beggars can't be choosers when you've become the school's social pariah.
1: During episode 140, Woodlice Not Brown Rice, our potter pondering was Do you think Hermione is right to try and stop Fred and George from testing their products on first year students?
2: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's spotter pondering, should Hermione have told Fred and George to stop testing them things on first years? 100% yes. And that's the mom in me. Because I would have been pissed off. And I get it. I understand the means to then, You know, they got to figure out how this shit works on somebody other than themselves. And I feel that. But 11 year olds, they just turned 11 year old, like my youngest is 9, no, no, and you know what, Timodore fucked up too, by making the prefix somebody they knew, and that he knew they wasn't gonna listen to, you know what, no, they probably wouldn't have listened to nobody, it's Fred and George, they wasn't gonna listen to nobody.
0: Hey Owen, hey Katie, Jackson here with this week's pot of Pondering. Please excuse my voice, as you guys know, I'm sick. <laughs> but anyway, do I agree with Hermione on stopping Fred and George from testing the Skyping snack boxes on the first years? I'm going to say yes, because we are talking about 11-year-old kids here. If it was older students, you know, Harry's year, I wouldn't mind. You know, because they're a bit older, they can make an informed decision. These are little kids we're talking about, 11-year-olds. So, yeah, I kind of agree with Hermione. Although threatening to snitch to Molly was a bit of a low blow. I'm going to say that.
3: Hello, this is Jessica calling in the Prada Congress. I think uh yes, Hermione was right. Even though they were paying them, I think it was still wrong. All the older students knew better than to trust the food that the twins gave them to eat. But the 11-year-olds were new and naive enough to not know better. I think Fred and George were taking advantage of that. No, they had tested the products on themselves first, and they did not mean, like, any harm to the other students. But they still couldn't know the reactions the kids would have, especially because they're so much smaller than them, the midges, as Ron would say. So I think that they just kind of took advantage of the first year's naivety because it was only advertised for the first year. Like None of the other older students wanted to do it because they knew better than to do it. So even though they were getting paid, I think that they were still taking advantage a little bit.
0: Thank you so much for your responses. God, these guys are getting so good. I love it. Mm Mhm. Our trivia question last week was, Where does Harry find Ron hiding after his Thursday detention with Umbridge? He finds him hiding behind a statue of Lachlan the Lanky at the top of the stairs to the seventh floor. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater! Woohoo! She's up to five weeks in a row. I wonder if she can keep this up. We shall
1: see. Good luck, Megan. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores, and the corresponding film
0: scenes. Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores, Part 2. At 5 to 5, Harry says bye to his friends and heads to Umbridge's office on the third floor. When he knocks, she asks him in, and he enters cautiously, looking around at how different it looks from all of its previous occupants. The surfaces are all covered with lacy covers and cloths. There are several vases of dried flowers and a collection of ornamental plates, each decorated with large technicolor kittens wearing different bows around its neck. Harry is momentarily distracted by how awful they are and is startled when Umbridge greets him and he realizes he hadn't noticed her at first because her flowery robes match the tablecloth behind her. He stiffly says, evening, back, and she asks him to sit down. Before he does, he stammers his way through asking if he could trade detention nights for the Quidditch tryouts, but doesn't even make it to the end of his sentence before realizing it's no good. Umbridge smiles widely and insists that this is his punishment for spreading evil, nasty, attention-seeking stories, saying it's good that he's missing something important, as it will reinforce the lesson she's trying to teach him. Harry feels the blood rush to his head in anger, but forces himself to look away, drop his bag, and take a seat. Umbridge acknowledges that he's already getting better at controlling his temper, and informs him that he will be doing some lines for her. When he reaches for a quill, she stops him and hands him a special one of hers that is a long, thin, black quill with an unusually sharp point. She instructs him to write I must not tell lies, and when Harry asks how many times, she merely states for as long as it takes for the message to sink in. She moves over to her desk to sit down, and Harry realizes she hasn't given him any ink. When he mentions this, Umbridge tells him that he won't need any. Harry places the point of the quill to the paper and writes, I must not tell lies. He gasps in pain as the words appear on the parchment in what seems to be shining red ink and also appear carved into the back of his right hand. As he stares at his hand, the skin heals over, looking smooth as ever but slightly red. He looks up at Umbridge who is smiling as she watches him. She asks yes, and Harry quietly says nothing, before returning to writing on the parchment. Again, the words painfully slice into the back of his hand, and again it heals over. On and on he writes, I must not tell lies, and what he comes to realize is his own blood. On and on the words cut into his skin before healing again. Darkness falls, but Harry doesn't want to show any signs of weakness and doesn't ask when he can stop or even look at his watch. After what seems like hours, Umbridge orders Harry to approach her and he stands. His hand is stinging and when he looks at it, he sees that it's healed but red raw. She asks for his hand and is disappointed to see that she hasn't made much of an impression yet, telling him that they will just have to try again the next evening. She dismisses him, and he leaves without a word. The school is deserted, and Harry is sure it's past midnight. As soon as he's out of her earshot, he breaks into a run. Being left with no time to practice vanishing spells, write in his dream diary, finish the drawing of the bow truckle, nor write any of his essays, he skips breakfast the next morning to scribble down some made-up dreams for divination. He's surprised to see a disheveled Ron also scribbling out some dreams and asks him why he didn't do it last night. Ron evasively mutters something about doing other stuff and continues to scrawl on his parchment, deciding that he dreamt he was buying a new pair of shoes and figuring Trelawney wouldn't be able to make anything weird out of that. The pair hurries off to the North Tower and Ron asks him about his detention with Umbridge, wondering what she made him do. Harry hesitates, then simply says, Lines, which makes Ron think it wasn't half bad. Ron then asks if she let him off for Friday, and groans sympathetically when Harry tells him that she didn't. It's another bad day for Harry, who is one of the worst in Transfiguration since he never practiced the Vanishing Spells. He also has to give up his lunch hour to complete the bow Truckle drawing and receives a lot more homework that he has no time to complete because of his second detention with Umbridge. On top of that, Angelina Johnson tracks him down to lecture him about putting other commitments before training, which just causes Harry to yell after her that he's in detention. He asks Ron and Hermione if they think he'd rather be stuck in the room with that old toad or playing Quidditch. Hermione tries to console him by saying at least it's only lines, and Harry opens his mouth but closes it again before nodding. He's not sure why he isn't telling them what's actually happening in Umbridge's room, aside from the fact that he doesn't want to see their reactions or give Umbridge the satisfaction of hearing that he complained about it. Ron changes the subject, miserably mentioning the amount of homework they have. When Hermione asks him why he didn't do any of it last night, wondering where he was, Ron shiftily says he fancied a walk, and Harry realizes that he isn't the only one concealing things at the moment. The second detention is just as bad as the first. His hand becomes irritated more quickly and heals more slowly. Harry is sure the cut will soon remain etched in his hand and hopes this will satisfy Umbridge. He refuses to let any sounds of pain escape him and says nothing other than good evening when he arrives and good night when she dismisses him again around midnight. With his homework situation more desperate, instead of going to bed, he stays up half past two to work on Snape's Moonstone essay. He then quickly answers the questions from Professor McGonagall, puts together information on the proper handling of bow truckles, and finally staggers up to bed, where he falls asleep fully clothed. This all makes Thursday extremely hazy, though Harry does notice that Ron seems very sleepy too and isn't sure why he would be. His third detention is much like the first two, except that after two hours, Harry's hand does not heal and he pauses as blood oozes from the back of his hand. Umbridge notices and tells him that ought to serve as a reminder before dismissing him for the night. Harry picks up his bag with his left hand and asks if he still has to come back tomorrow. Smiling widely, Umbridge tells him yes because she thinks they can etch the message in a little deeper. As Harry walks away from her office, he realizes that there is in fact a teacher that he could potentially hate more than he hates Snape. He reaches the top of the stairs to the seventh floor and nearly runs right into Ron, who is hiding behind a statue of Lachlan the Lanky clutching his broom. He asks him what he's doing, and Ron first tells him that he's hiding from Fred and George, who just passed with a group of first-years, but Harry asks about his broom, and Ron eventually admits that he's been practicing so he can go out for Gryffindor Keeper. He expects Harry to laugh at him, but Harry thinks it's a brilliant idea. He asks if Ron is any good, and Ron admits that he's not bad because he always used to keep for Charlie, Fred, and George during the holidays. Harry says that he wishes he could be at the tryouts, and absent-mindedly scratches his nose, revealing the back of his hand to Ron, who grabs it and looks horrified, asking about how he thought Harry was just doing lines. Harry hesitates, but decides to be honest about everything happening during his detentions, and Ron insists that she's sick and that Harry has to go to McGonagall. Harry insists that he's not going to give her the satisfaction of knowing that she got to him, but Ron tells him he can't let her get away with it. When Harry counters that he doesn't know how much power McGonagall would have over Umbridge, Ron instead suggests he tells Dumbledore. Harry flatly refuses to do this, claiming that the headmaster has enough on his mind, but really thinking about how he's not going to ask the man who hasn't spoken to him once since June for help. Ron starts to argue, but is interrupted by the fat lady, who is impatiently waiting for them to give her the password. Friday starts like every other day that week. Harry checks the staff table for Hagrid, then immediately begins to fret over his mountainous pile of homework and the prospect of yet another detention with Umbridge. The only things that help him through the day are knowing that it's almost the weekend and the fact that he can kind of see the Quidditch pitch through the window in Umbridge's office. At 5 o'clock that evening, he knocks on Umbridge's door for what he hopes will be the last time and enters when told to do so. The parchment is already out for him and Umbridge smiles sweetly, telling him that he knows what to do. He picks up the quill and glances out the window, realizing that it's impossible to tell which player is Ron on the Quidditch field. He begins writing I must not tell lies and his hand immediately begins bleeding. He continues writing, occasionally chancing glances out the window to watch the progress. As it starts to get darker, Harry can no longer see the field. The parchment is shining with drops of his blood and his hand is searing with pain. After another half hour, Umbridge moves towards him to see if he's got the message. As she takes his hand, he feels a new pain in his scar. At the same time, he experiences a peculiar sensation somewhere around his midriff and pulls his arm away from her and leaps to his feet. Umbridge decides she's made her point and lets him go, so Harry picks up his school bag and rushes out of the office, trying to stay calm. He makes it to Gryffindor Tower, gives the password, and is greeted with a roar of a sound. Ron rushes at him, exclaiming that he's the new keeper, and Harry tries his best to smile naturally as he tells Ron that's brilliant. Ron offers him a butterbeer and then looks around for Hermione, who is dozing in an armchair by the fire. George insists they let her sleep, and Harry notices that several of the first years bear the unmistakable signs of recent nosebleeds. Katie Bell calls Ron over to see if Oliver's old robes fit, and as Ron moves away, Angelina joins Harry and apologizes for being so short with him earlier. She confesses that Ron isn't fabulous, but that she thinks with some training he'll be alright. She's hoping that since he comes from a family of good Quidditch players, he'll have more talent than he showed today and asks Harry to help him as much as he can. Harry nods and as Angelina goes to talk to Alicia Spinnet, he makes his way over to Hermione. She jerks awake and comments about Ron making the team before confessing how tired she is since she stayed up past one making more hats because they're disappearing like mad. Harry notices more knit hats concealed around the room and distractedly says great before launching into an explanation of what happened when Umbridge touched his arm. Hermione realizes that Harry is worried that you-know-who is controlling Umbridge like he controlled Quirrell, but isn't convinced he could be since he's properly alive now. She supposes that she could be under the Imperius curse, but also points out that his scar has previously hurt without anyone touching him. She suggests that he go see Dumbledore, but Harry still insists that he doesn't want to bother the headmaster. Hermione is sure that Dumbledore would want to be bothered by this, causing Harry to say that his scar is the only bit of him that Dumbledore does care about. Hermione tries to contradict this, but Harry has already moved on saying he will just write Sirius instead, but Hermione reminds him that he can't put something like that in writing since they can't guarantee the owls aren't being intercepted. Harry irritably agrees and instead says that he's just gonna go to bed. Hermione says that she is as well since she's exhausted and wants to make more hats tomorrow. She offers to have Harry join her, and he tries to look vaguely tempted by this as he stammers through turning her down and traipses upstairs, leaving behind a slightly disappointed Hermione. The movie section starts out on
1: a shot of a pink manicured hand spooning sugar out of a silver sugar bowl into a milky cup of tea. The camera shifts to show Dolores Umbridge sitting at her desk, still dressed all in pink. The wall behind her is also pink and decorated with meowing kitten plates. She looks extremely satisfied as she stirs her tea, taps the spoon on the rim, and sets it aside. As she takes a sip, there is a knock on her door and she puts the teacup and saucer back down and straightens a pen on her desk as she says for the knocker to come in. Harry opens the door and first looks at more meowing kitten plates on the pink stone wall next to the door as Professor Umbridge greets him with a good evening and directs him to sit. He looks around the office at all of the pink things and cat plates and closes the door behind him. Umbridge informs him that he is going to be doing some lines and as he begins to reach for his bag, she tells him that he won't be using his quill, he will be using a special one of hers. She stands from her desk and brings him a quill with a large brown feather, instructing him to write, I must not tell lies. Harry asks how many times, and she says, For as long as it takes for the message to sink in. Again, looking very satisfied, she turns away from him, but Harry stops her, pointing out that she hasn't given him any ink. She turns back towards him and lets him know that he won't be needing any ink. Briefly looking confused, Harry looks down at the parchment in front of him and begins writing. The camera focuses on Umbridge's smug face as Harry writes, and then cuts back to Harry's hands. As he begins writing his second line, he grunts in pain as the words he is writing on the parchment are also carving themselves into the back of his left hand. He stops writing to look at his hand, and Umbridge walks back around in front of him, looking at him and simply asking, Yes? Harry looks up at her and swallows, responding with, Nothing. Umbridge leans forward towards him and tells him, That's right because deep down he knows he deserves to be punished. She gives him a little smile as he holds her gaze and then tells him to go on. The scene cuts to a trunk that has the names Weasley and Weasley on it, also changing up the tone with some upbeat rock music playing. Someone unlatches it and opens it, revealing a green box that says the Skiving Snack Box patented by Weasley and Weasley, which also opened to show six orange boxes labeled with a W ending in a star. As they open one of the orange boxes, Fred and George explain that skiving snack boxes are sweets that will make you ill to get you out of class, so you can avoid hours of boredom. They are sitting with a couple of younger students who are sampling the sweets and experiencing unpleasant side effects, like a swelling chin, and one of the twins offers another sweet. The camera switches focus to Ron and Hermione as they walk into the common room. Ron is trying to persuade Hermione to help him with his homework, and she agrees to write the introduction for him. Ron tells her that she's honestly the most wonderful person he's ever met, and when he starts to comment on if he's ever rude to her again, Hermione cuts him off to inform him that she will know he's gone back to normal. The two of them sit on a couch on either side of Harry, who is flipping through a book. As Ron leans back and spaces out, Hermione's attention drifts to the back of Harry's left hand, and she asks him what's wrong with it. Harry puts his right hand on top of the book and insists that nothing is wrong with it. She grabs his other hand and holds it on her lap, inspecting the scars and insisting that he's got to tell Dumbledore. Harry refuses, saying Dumbledore's got enough on his mind and that he doesn't want to give Umbridge the satisfaction. Ron leans towards him too and points out that she's torturing him and starts to mention what the parents would do if they knew about it, but Harry just reminds Ron that he hasn't got any parents. They stop talking for a moment until Hermione takes a deep breath and again tells Harry that he's got to report it. When she says that it is perfectly simple, he interrupts her to explain that it isn't, saying whatever it is, it's not simple. He sighs and tells her that she doesn't understand, but when she asks him to help them, he just stands with his bag and walks away.
0: Yeah, so a lot of what's in the movie is from the book, Mm-hmm. but a lot of what's in the book is not in the movie. No. No. Big shock there, i What? I'm sure. <laughs> It's starting to get really bad, too. Oh, Lord. Because I'm ahead on summaries, and whoo.
1: It's a wild ride from here on out, guys. Yeah. It
0: really is. But the book starts off with Harry heading to his first detention with Umbridge. Looking forward to it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Five o'clock, which blows my mind that they're even allowed to schedule detentions during dinner time. That's like, yeah. Yeah zero regards for the kid's well-being when it comes to punishment
1: i mean theoretically like i would think that detention's only supposed to be like an hour long maybe so they're figuring they can still eat at six
0: theoretically as we're about to find out that is not how this goes no but he heads to the defense against the dark arts office which he has been to with multiple other occupants oh yes and he's immediately hit in the face with just how different it looks. Because now every single surface is covered in something lacy and flowery and there's dried flowers in vases and a huge collection of ornamental plates that all have a kitten on it. And since it's magic, they're all moving around and they got bows and Mm -hmm. meowing and just being kittenish on plates. And honestly, I... Love that. But not like that.
1: I would be okay with one or two of those.
0: (laughs) Large collection. Yeah, but it's like they're all over the walls. And I gotta say, the movie does nail it. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the set design is pretty fucking boss.
0: The best part about this section in the book, though, is that Harry doesn't even see Umbridge at first because she just blends in with the surroundings. (laughs) With all the pink. And I kind of love that, too.
1: It's like being inside of a stomach that has just taken Pepto-Bismol.
0: <laughs> Do you remember in Garden State?
1: Yes. When that oh, yeah, yes, character's
0: yes. standing in the bathroom when his, shirt his, his shirt matches the wallpaper. the wallpaper? Oh my god, That yes. is what
1: I picture. Yeah. She's just a head, basically. Yeah. She's just like kind of a floating head. Yeah. yeah. That's what I picture. I dig that. <laughs> I can get behind that, definitely. Except pink. Except, yes. And disgusting. I'm sure he was feeling some nausea, heartburn, maybe some indigestion, upset stomach, and diarrhea. Definitely diarrhea. Just if looking not at of that. his
0: butt out of his mouth. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is basically where the movie comes in. We get a close-up view of bitch tea being made as Pepto Bismol drops three heaping spoonfuls of sugar into her teacup stirs, and takes a
0: sip. And that is bitch tea for multiple reasons. A, because it's being made by a bitch. Sure. And B, because who the fuck puts that much sugar into one little cup of tea? Like, that is bitch tea right there. I know you don't like tea and you would do that.
1: Maybe we shouldn't get coffee
0: anymore. I'm just... (laughs) You definitely drink bitch coffee, Katie. (laughs) I do.
1: I do. It's very light and it's very sugary and i like my sugar with coffee and cream what can i say yeah that's, that's i, how I like drink it. both coffee and tea black it's because you're a psycho and not a bitch <laughs> <laughs> but as the sugar just courses through her veins We get a better view of her office, as we were saying, rows and rows of collectible plates featuring meowing kittens adorn the walls, creating the creepiest soundtrack ever.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a little bit unsettling to have that many different meows. It is. And I love cats.
1: Yeah. If I walked into a house and there was like a bunch of just meowing going on, I'm walking right the fuck back out. Like, (laughs) I don't care where it's coming from. That's that's almost as creepy as like hearing a little kid in a darkened alley or something like
0: (laughs) now I gotta say that from the book description I did not picture the stone walls also having been painted pink but I love that they painted the stone walls pink it was a very good touch definitely it was pretty (laughs) wonderful
1: but when she hears a knock at the door she takes a moment to straighten a pen on her desk like a goddamn psycho before saying come in I don't know if I don't know if this bothers you as much as it bothers me because I'm not gonna lie I'm creeped out by anyone who doesn't have like a mild freak out when someone
0: they're expecting finally shows up see I have the freak out when I'm not expecting them and they show up
1: well, there's that too but like even when I'm expecting someone I'm just like okay is Over everything is, it, you know, I, is everything here is everything there is it like I'm not like super calmly like I'm just going to
0: straighten this pen I think that you could have stopped that I'm not just super calm
1: well <laughs> That just seems redundant because it's me. (laughs) Anyway, so I figured I'd just go the whole nine. But moving on. My point is, I just
0: think it's creepy. Fair enough.
1: (laughs) Harry walks in and is just smacked in the face by more pink than he has ever seen in his life. He side-eyes all the kitten plates on the wall with just apprehension. Well, yeah. Understandably, yes. And he's greeted by the simpering voice of Bitchmall who then tells him to simply sit, sit. Mm-hmm. Harry steps up to a small writing desk with a pink lacy placemat on top and takes a seat because those are really easy to write on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just for a little bit of added cuteness, we get a nice close up right here of one of the plates with a fluffy little white kitten
0: on it. And it's pretty adorable. And there's a ding there. Fairly. Fairly ding. Mm-hmm. So it's something. It's something. Yeah. In the book. Harry manners respond to her saying good evening to him, but all he gives her back is an evening because at this point he's got to be thinking, what the fuck's good about it? Mm-hmm. And then she asks him to sit down. So definitely dingish. Ding? Sure. Way to offer the boy a seat. Right? The biggest difference here is that he starts trying to ask her if he can like switch nights for detention. And instead of doing it on Friday, maybe he can do it a different day. Mm-hmm. And he could gets weird. He gets about that far into it and realizes that this was pointless. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if he hadn't brought it up at all, there's a really good chance that he could have had enough damage done to his hand. That she just decided to not have him come back Friday, but she was never going to let him off knowing that he wanted off Friday. Right. Now that he made it a thing. Right. But anyway, jumping ahead there. To his question, Pepto Bitchmaul just gives her very Toad-like, wide smile and says that this is a punishment for spreading evil, nasty, attention-seeking stories and that she thinks it's good he's missing something important because it'll really help just drive in that lesson that she's trying to teach him
1: again man just shouldn't have said anything should have stayed fucking quiet guy
0: and harry's just sitting there thinking oh so i spread evil nasty attention-seeking stories do i but takes a deep breath Mm -hmm. turns away from her and just drops his bag and sits down which then pepto Maul basically starts poking the bear with a stick. Sure. When she acknowledges that he's already getting better at controlling his temper. Mmm. And somehow Harry continues to control his temper in this situation.
1: This bitch.
0: pepto Maul then informs him that he's going to be writing some lines for her. Which doesn't sound like it'd be that bad.
1: No. Since the movie left Quidditch out altogether, they do not include that part at all, of course. But it does line back up here when Pepto Maul tells him that his detention will consist of wasting paper for no good goddamn reason. So he starts to reach into his bag for a quill, but she tells him that she has a special quill for him to use. Not sus at all, really. But she brings him said quill and tells him that she wants him to write the phrase, I must not tell lies, which... Let's be honest, that's petty AF. Yeah. That's just so petty. But that's what she is, so it makes sense. She is super petty. Mm Mm-hmm. But he wants to know how many times he has to write this bullshit, and she just cryptically says she just wants the message to sink in. Which is either very dirty or very sick. I'm not sure which. It's me, so. Why not both? Why not Zoidberg? There we go. She haughtily turns her back on him, but he points out that he doesn't have any super special ink for her super special quill. She looks back and just glibly says, oh, you won't be needing any. (laughs) So first he's all like, wait, ballpoint quill maybe? That would be fucking awesome since it's like 1995 and the whole quill and ink aesthetic can get messy and annoying as fuck. But then again, this bitch wants to stay in the stone ages, so why would she have something cool like that? That I mean, she did on her desk. She did, but that's not for students to use because fuck you students yeah i guess i don't know
0: i don't know i don't pretend to know how the bitch mall works i just don't get why they didn't have quills instead of pens like it was very odd okay anyway not really
1: part of the story anyway moving on he shrugs like we just did (laughs) and he begins writing Umbridge has a look of just smug satisfaction on her face. I think that is just her face. Well, there's that. I think it was a little extra, though, too, because she's like, she's got him. Oh, she ramped it up. She's got him and he doesn't know what the fuck is coming, you know? And we then see Harry start to wince and like kind of squirm in his seat. Side note, I get where they were going for this shot, but it bothers me so much that Harry is just sitting there writing and his hand is like awkwardly also on the desk like that. At least have him hold the paper with that hand or something. It bothers me that it's just there.
0: Well, and on top of that, even though this does line back up with the book Mm -hmm. here, when he starts writing, there are some minor changes to it that I guess for the shot purposes, that's why they needed to do that. But you're right. He could have been at least holding the paper. But on top of that, She tells him he's doing lines. He starts to reach for a quill out of his bag. She does the whole, oh, you don't need your quill. You're going to use a special one of mine. Mm -hmm. So, hey, ding. Yeah. The only real difference in that point is that in the book, the quill was black. And in the movie, it was more brown. Yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. We're not as petty as Umbridge. Right. (laughs) The book describes it as having an unusually sharp point. Okay. Which... Interesting point there. Yeah. That, Interesting thing to point out. Sure. Yeah. And she tells him to write, I must not tell lies. So, mm-hmm. movie Pepto Bitch Mall is just as petty as book Pepto
2: Bitch Mall. Yep. It
0: totally lines up. We got a ding. Still on dings here.
2: Still on dings. Still on dings.
0: <laughs> Harry asks how many times. She says, until it sinks in. Mm hmm. Ding. Riding the ding train. Got it. And then she actually goes to her desk to sit down. Before Harry's just like, um, you haven't given me any ink? Mm hmm. Hello? Hello? What's going on? She's just like, oh, you won't be needing any. Huge. I mean, this is just one big dig right here. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how much this is the same, actually. Yeah. Kind of shocked. And she played it so well. Oh my God, she really (laughs) did.
1: did. Oh, my word.
0: But anyway, Harry puts the point of the quill to the paper and just writes, I must not tell lies. And he gasps in pain as the words appear on the parchment in what seems to be red ink. Mm-hmm.
1: Which and, they also do in the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's also appearing carved into the back of his right hand. And I do want to specify right hand because it is the hand holding the quill, which yeah. I honestly think makes more sense yeah it's taking like the magic it's connected to the hand that he's writing with yeah okay. i can see how for the sake of shooting it may have been more difficult okay but i also don't think it would have been i think they
1: could have done a really cool camera angle like uh, that yeah,
0: set up a good camera angle and have as he's writing the word on the paper it's showing up on his hand as well they could have done both at once yeah and with him like his hand just sitting there because they did it on his left hand in the movie Mm -hmm. it wasn't the hand holding the quill and like you say it was just sitting there awkwardly it wasn't even holding the paper yeah it just it
1: was just weird
0: it was the only the scene was so good otherwise this was the only thing that kind of bugged me yeah
1: like not to be petty but it was just weird. It wasn't a natural way to hold yourself while no. you're writing lines. Like I can imagine they could have done something really cool where they had the camera off to the side, level with his hand, out of focus, and then as he's writing, it gets more in focus. And by the time it gets completely in focus, you see the words on the back of his yeah, hand. Yeah, that would have been cool as hell. There I was a done way to movie. do
0: it. <laughs> yeah, that was better than what it was. Mm-hmm. But. Everything else about that little section, total ding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got dings for days on that one. Dings for days. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, now it's starting to get dark outside, which I don't know what time it gets dark at Hogwarts.
1: It's got to be relatively late, at least.
0: Yeah. It's starting to get dark. He went in there at five o'clock. Yeah. How many times do you think he wrote... I must not tell lies. I would rather not think for about that. For hours to go by like that. Yeah. I would rather not think about that. He's just writing, I must not tell lies. It cuts into the back of his hand, mm-hmm. heals over. He writes it again. It cuts back into his hand again, heals over. Witch. And he does that for hours. Good Lord. And at one point, he kind of gasps and looks up at Umbridge, and she just says, Yes. Mm. And he says, Nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually says said nothing, nothing or just, or just says say nothing. It <laughs> feel like it could go either way. Yeah, He either said the word nothing or he did not say anything, anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> but he just keeps cutting I must not tell lies into the back of his hand and eventually realizes that the red ink is his blood. Mm-hmm. And holy fucked up Batman. Yeah. There's your ink.
1: There's your special ink from your special quill. Honestly, I kind of am a little bit angry that they didn't try to make that more prevalent in the movie.
0: Like, they had it being red ink. Yeah, I think you could infer that from it, but they sort of streamlined the scene down. Yeah. That you had no idea how long it actually lasted. Oh, yeah. But the Gryffindor and Harry doesn't want heard to see any signs of weakness so he just manages to avoid making any kind of sound he refuses to even look at his watch mm-hmm. he just keeps on writing and like i said hours yeah hours go by and pepto bitch finally tells him to come up to her yeah so she can see what kind of progress he's made and his hand is actually healed at this point okay but it's just slightly red Yeah. Super raw. It still hurts. It's stinging. Mm -hmm. She takes a look at it and thinks that she hasn't made much of an impression yet. And just says, we'll try again next evening. And dismisses him. Good Lord. And it's fucking after midnight. Yeah. This was seven hours of cutting the back of his hand open. That's... Over and over and over again. And he has to come back and do it three more nights. Okay.
1: Look. I get where you're coming from, Harry. You know, you don't want to give her the satisfaction. You don't want to do that shit. But at the same time, she knows you're hurting. She knows
0: all this shit's going on.
1: Come on. There's a certain level in which pride just needs to go away.
0: Oh, I wouldn't show her a single bit of weakness. that's wouldn't. why we're both Gryffindor. Yeah,
1: I was going to say. It's <laughs> totally I am, a
0: Gryffindor thing.
1: I'm piecing the fuck out of there as soon as I can. Like, uh-uh. But again, it actually is very similar in the movie. The more he writes, the more uncomfortable he seems to get, grunting more with every word. We get a close-up of his left hand on the desk as the words he's writing with Umbridge's special quill are carving themselves into his other hand as well, like we said. One time. Yeah. (laughs) We see it one time. We see it one time, yes, but we don't know. But it's just so funny that fake Moody couldn't even turn Malfoy into a ferret without getting shit for it. Like, I doubt this is really going to be anywhere in the teacher's code of conduct under the heading, yeah, keep doing shit like this. But Um umbitch gives zero fucks and just looks at Harry, just
0: begging him to say something. Begging him. She just wishes a bitch would. And Harry will not give her that satisfaction book or movie. No. Even him giving little grunts right in the movie was more than he did in the book yeah cuz he was completely
1: silent in the book
0: yeah and just, in
1: the movie he was doing his mm, uh,
2: uh, uh, eek out uh, ooh.
1: Uh, uh, uh. yeah that but just like in the book harry just looks at her responds simply with nothing although we know he actually says it this time
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> no confusion there yeah
1: she leans over the desk and gets right in harry's face and says that's what i thought you little four-eyed orphan fuckstick I don't think she actually said that. I'm paraphrasing. She totally thought it. Yeah. But she goes on. She says, you're a bad apple and you damn well know it. And therefore, you're going to shut your yapper, take your punishment, because you know your lying ass deserves it. Now, she did pretty much say that. That's what I'm saying. He stares her down. But like, what do you really say when someone just shoots you a garbage bag full of crazy like that? I
0: think you just stare them down. Right? Like. do you move on from that just keep writing i guess yeah just keep rolling just keep rolling (laughs) the biggest difference here is that like we already said the movie streamlines this scene so much it really only looks like harry wrote two lines Mm -hmm. before they cut the scene off yeah
1: because at the end of it she just says go on and we don't really know if that meant keep writing
0: or Go on, get the fuck out of here. Right. And you're probably right that it was to just keep writing. Yeah. But they immediately cut away after that. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's streamlined out. We have absolutely no idea how long Harry was actually there, whereas we know it's past seven hours in the book. Yeah. Movies like, nah, fuck that. (laughs) Right. We'll get the idea. Don't worry about it. And in addition to streamlining out the rest of his detentions. Mm Mm-hmm. It also takes out the entire next section. Well. Everything that happens because the detentions fall on each day. So all of the stuff within the day. And it was kind of just a summary of the days. Mm -hmm. As far as we know, he only had detention the one night in the movie. Yeah, that's what they implied. Yeah. But she keeps him there so late that he doesn't even have time to do his homework.
2: Mm -hmm. Which,
0: again, how is this... How is this
2: okay? (laughs) Like, a
0: punishment should make a point, but it should not take away from their fucking school career. Yeah. And he has to practice vanishing spells, write in his dream diary, finish the drawing of the bow truckle, and write, I think it's two essays at this point? Mm Mm-hmm. At least one from Snape. The one from Snape and the one from History of Magic, I think. Yeah. So, multiple
1: essays. got some
2: shit to
0: do. Yeah. And he just skips breakfast the next morning to do his dream diary like what else is he supposed to do he's got to get some sleep he probably feels like shit after repeatedly cutting his hand open
1: well and not to mention how's his hand got to be feeling right at this moment yeah and now even the thought of having that much damage done to the back of your writing
0: hand right
1: in the book anyway (laughs) in the book anyway
0: and then having to go on and do write a whole bunch more So he has to skip breakfast the next morning to just scribble down some made up dreams for divination because Mm -hmm. what else is he supposed to do? So now he's tired, sore hand and hungry. Yeah. And what's even more surprising to him is Ron is doing his homework for divination right along with him and also skipping breakfast. Would you know if Ron is skipping anything he can eat? This is serious. Right. Ron doesn't skip meals. He does not. No. No. Harry wants to know why he didn't do it last night and Ron just gives this really evasive I was doing other stuff. I had Mm -hmm. things to do. do. But they manage to just, you know, make some shit up. Ron says something about buying a new pair of shoes because he figures Trelawney wouldn't be able to make anything crazy out of that. Challenge accepted. Oh, Oh, she can. (laughs) (laughs) But they hurry off to the North Tower and as they go, Ron wants to know how his detention was, wondering what she made him do and Harry's just like, oh... I had to do lines. <laughs> and when Ron says, oh, that's not half bad. Harry's like, yeah. Yeah, it's Yeah, not it's half bad. It's, it's, yeah, super easy. For some reason, not telling him what really happened with the lines. But he doesn't really have to say anything more about it because Ron follows that up with a question about whether or not she let him off for Friday, which the <laughs> silly Ron, they all knew that she wasn't going to. Mm hmm. It's
1: cute that he was holding out so much hope
0: though yeah i mean i can't blame him for hoping yeah especially since at this point he hasn't confessed ron doesn't know the he's whole story very invested yeah. in <laughs> tryouts and hasn't confessed that yeah but day three of the first week of school yeah of the new regime harry is positive he's in his sixth year at this point <laughs> and it's another bad one It just keeps going with the shittiness. Mm -hmm. He's one of the worst in Transfiguration since he never actually practiced the vanishing spells. So he can't do it. He ends up having to give up his lunch hour to complete his bow truckle drawing. So again, not getting to eat anything. Yeah. And then, of course, he gets more homework that he's, again, not going to have time to complete. Since Pepto Bitchmall thinks that it's totally cool to give seven hour long detentions. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Because she's a toad she is a toad (laughs) to make matters worse angelina has realized that he was not able to get out of detention on friday and actually yells at him yeah she blames him for it she (laughs) yells at him about putting other commitments before training angelina he's (laughs) not choosing to be there believe me if he could get out of it he would
1: angelina your oliver is showing After
0: she leaves, like, Harry's just yelling after her, I'm in detention! (laughs) (laughs) And he turns to Ron and Hermione. He's like, do you think that I would rather be stuck in a room with that old toad or playing Quidditch? Totally. Totally. (laughs) Hermione thinks that she's comforting him and says, at least it's only lines. Oh, no big deal. No big deal. And Harry starts to correct her, but then doesn't because... He's still not wanting to give her the satisfaction, and he's worried if he says anything to Ron and Hermione, it'll somehow get back to her, and then... Well, because
1: he knows exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. He knows, and he doesn't want to go through it. He doesn't want
0: to deal with it. So he just... I'm not saying anything about it. I will bear this cross in silence. Mm-hmm. And then Ron changes the subject, complaining about the amount of homework that they have, which makes Hermione be Hermione and wonder why he didn't do any of it last night, asking where he was. Mm-hmm. And Ron's just like, oh, I fancy to walk. I have things to do. Which Harry, despite being semi-oblivious half of the time, realizes that he's not the only one keeping secrets. Hmm. Hmm. As we mentioned, he has another detention to go to. And of course, the second one is just as bad as the first, maybe even worse, because mm-hmm. his hand starts hurting a lot faster and starts healing more slowly. Yeah. And he's pretty sure that eventually this cut's never going to go anywhere Yeah, and thinks maybe that will finally satisfy the bitch mall, mm-hmm. but again, refuses to make any noises Not saying a word. Says absolutely nothing other than good evening when he arrives and good night when he's dismissed. I'm surprised he says that much, but yeah. Well, I feel like based on how she ran her class, if he didn't respond to her when she says good evening to him or good night when she dismisses him, I feel like she wouldn't make him write more lines. Yeah, maybe. And again, he is dismissed around midnight. Mm. Seven fucking hours.
1: I mean, I feel like HR would just have a field day with this
0: woman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) To make matters even worse, he's Mm -hmm. so far behind in his homework now that he can't justify going straight to bed and ends up having to stay up. Half past two, working on Snape's Moonstone essay, and then he stays up even later, answering the questions for McGonagall, and puts together something about bow truckles for Professor grubbly Blank, and then finally goes to bed. Who knows what time it is at this point, but he can't even undress himself. He's so tired. He just collapses in bed, fully clothed. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he just, like, hazes his way through Thursday, because... He's super sleep deprived, barely ate anything the day before, spent seven hours cutting his hand open. And the only thing he's kind of aware of is that for some reason, Ron is also very sleepy and behind on homework. And he doesn't know why he would be. Yeah. But then they launch right into his third detention. So we don't get as many details about how his day went. We Mm -hmm. just go right into the third detention. Which is, again, much like the first two. Yeah. Except after two hours, his hand stops healing completely. hmm And it's just bleeding all over the parchment. Just, yeah, profusely. The only positive thing about this is that Bitchmall notices his hand, doesn't heal, and actually dismisses him for the night after only, like, two hours. Hey, that's
1: fucked up still, but nice,
0: at yeah, least. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I mean... That's the word we're going to use for her low bar (laughs) he picks up his bag with his left hand and asks if he still has to come back the next day which she of course says he does of course and like we said if he hadn't told her about quidditch tryouts Mm -hmm. that might have been enough she may have just let him off she may have said oh it looks like i got my point across yeah probably not but it looks like the message has sunk in yeah you know But no, but no, instead, she just says that she thinks they can etch the message in a little deeper. Yeah. Ew. So Harry leaves her office. And at this point, he's just like, motherfucker, I hate her more than I hate Snape. (laughs)
1: That's impressive.
0: Right. If you had ever told me that it was possible for me to hate a teacher more than I hate Snape, I would have showed you a liar. But I'm the liar because this bitch fucking sucks. (laughs) And he's so distracted by this Mm -hmm. that when he reaches the top of the stairs to the seventh floor, he nearly runs right into Ron, who is just hiding behind a statue of Lachlan the Lanky and clutching his broomstick. Which was our trivia question. Sure was. Harry wants to know what he's doing. And Ron, still being evasive, is like, oh, if you must know, I'm hiding from Fred and George. They just pass by with a group of first-years because you know they can't test their stuff on him in the common room with Hermione there. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, yeah, that totally explains why you're out here with your broomstick. Yep, not sus at all. So Ron actually does confess that he's been practicing Quidditch because he wants to try out to be the new Gryffindor keeper. Mm-hmm. And poor Ron thinks Harry's gonna laugh at him. Like, his brothers must treat him so bad if he thinks his best friend's gonna laugh. Poor Kins. But Harry thinks this is a great idea. And I can't even imagine why Ron would think he wouldn't. Like, how awesome would it be to be on the Quidditch team with your best friend? Right? Like, Seriously. duh, Ron, come on.
1: Like, this year has been such hell. If I could spend all my spare time with my best friend, hell yes. Yeah. Plus, then we don't have to help Hermione knit hats. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But he wants to know if Ron's any good. And Ron actually says that he's not bad because he used to have to play keeper for Fred, George, and Charlie on Mm -hmm. school holidays. Yeah. So he's gotten quite a bit of practice with it and has some very talented Quidditch players in the family. And he might actually make a good keeper. So this is so cool. And Harry's like, man, I wish I could be at tryouts. And without thinking, lifts his right hand to scratch his nose. Bad call, bad call. I can't even imagine if it won't heal. Like, it's probably just dripping blood down his hand. And Ron grabs it and just looks horrified. Like, what the fuck? I thought you were just doing lines. Yeah. I didn't know the lines were doing you. What the fuck? And Harry hesitates, but ultimately decides that he's going to tell Ron the truth, especially since Ron just confided in him about trying out for Quidditch. Mm Mm-hmm. So he explains everything that's been going on in the detentions and Ron thinks that this bitch is sick, which, yeah. yeah, And tells Harry that he has to go to McGonagall and Harry's like, I'm not going to give her that satisfaction because that's what he's been about all week. Yeah. Plus, I don't even know if McGonagall can do anything. I don't know how much power she has over her.
1: Yeah. But again, she was the one who helped Malfoy out when Moody turned him into a ferret. Yeah. So
0: So she might be able to do something. I mean, Mm -hmm. the movie certainly kind of tries to play it that way. Ultimately, she can't, but we'll get to that. Ron suggests that maybe he should tell Dumbledore instead, and Harry is even more like, no. Mm -hmm. He says that the headmaster has enough on his mind, but in reality, he's like, I'm not going to ask him to help me. He hasn't spoken to me once since June. I'm being petty AF. I don't blame him, though, man i'm totally the type that would look for excuses to get dumbledore to talk to me though so i mean i probably would too but
1: odds are they're not gonna work and every time they don't work i'm gonna get even more and more and more discouraged so
0: that would be me but i feel like this would have worked yeah i don't think dumbledore would stand for this at all and ron agrees with me because he starts to try to argue with harry but they are interrupted by the fat lady who she got woken up so that they could come back in. And right, she just wants to go back to sleep. She's like, just give me the fucking password. <laughs> come on. hmm So the movie
1: does have a section that corresponds with this, but I use that term loosely. It actually has Hermione, not Ron, discover the cuts on Harry's hand. So Yeah, and we'll talk more about that as we get to it, because mm-hmm. that is about to happen. Yeah. After Harry's detention, we join the craziness in the Gryffindor common room, we see a trunk with Weasley and Weasley emblazoned across it, being opened and revealing six orange boxes, which then open up into the infamous Skyving Snack Boxes. Oh, wait, they aren't infamous in the movie because this is literally the first fucking mention made of Fred and George doing
0: anything like this. Yeah. Why would we? Because they hate us and don't want us to be happy. Obviously.
1: Nonetheless, we then hear the twins explaining that Skyving Snack Boxes are candies that get you out of class so you can do whatever the fuck you want. While this is being explained, we see the twins and their test subjects, all pretty young-looking students, who are all suffering different effects of the products. One boy turns green as his jaw begins to seemingly, like, inflate, and another boy is sitting with a cauldron in his lap, looking as though he's about to hurl right into it yeah the twins asked them how they feel while offering them more sweets which i'm gonna be like no thanks good i
0: think those are supposed to be the ones to make him feel better
1: but but they say would you like some more so yeah i'm gonna assume they're gonna make me worse we also see dean filling in for lee jordan since apparently the movie didn't really feel the need to bring luke youngblood back because why
0: yeah i don't get it And this part of the movie kind of references the section earlier in this chapter where Hermione tells off the twins for testing their sweets on first years. Mm -hmm. though it doesn't actually involve Hermione telling them off, as she can't seem to be bothered by it in the movie. Yeah, not so much.
1: The camera switches focus to Ron begging Hermione to write his paper for him, claiming that he's not asking her to write the whole thing. Just, you know, a little bit of help. And she agrees to just do the introduction. Because no teacher will note that at all.
0: Oh no, totally wouldn't be suspicious. Mm -hmm, Not at all, nope.
1: Interestingly enough, they walk right past the product testing area and they don't give a shit about it. But, I mean, why should they? Since, of course, they are not prefects.
0: Not in the movie, they're not. Nope, not at all.
1: So Ron starts singing her praises and telling her how awesome she is. She looks at him cynically, just as he is implying he'll
0: never be rude to her again, but... Hermione calls bullshit. This actually does reference a moment a bit later in the book. Mm-hmm. So we'll bring that up again when we get there.
1: Yeah. But they make a hairy sandwich on the couch by the fire and Hermione catches a glimpse of Harry's hand and asks what the fuck happened. Harry, super inconspicuously, puts his other hand on top of the book and is just like, what? I'm good. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Worst sleight of hand ever. Oh, fuck you, Ellen. <laughs> And Hermione says, fuck you, Harry. Like, she calls bullshit again. Grabs the hand that he knew damn well she was referring to, and gets thoroughly grossed out, telling him that these aren't cool battle scars that chicks are gonna dig. They are nasty, and he should tell Dumbledore. Harry says, fuck no, snitches get stitches. Hermione says, you need stitches. (laughs) But Harry insists he's not going to say anything, since Dumbledore is busy ignoring him anyway, and he doesn't want to let Pepto Bitchmall know that she got to him. Ron accidentally reminds Harry that he hasn't got any parents, leading to one of the best Caps Lock Harry snark
0: moments in the movie. Well, I haven't got any of those, have I, Ron? He doesn't. It's just... oh. You know the Dursleys aren't going to care. No, of course not. They're going to be like, where can I get one of those pens?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Which was not Ron's point at all. No. But it does kind of make them shut up. Yeah. It does, where they're just like, oh, fuck, he's in this mood again. Mm. All right, just... But the awkwardness just settles over them like a blanket. Which Hermione takes advantage of by again trying to convince Harry to tell someone what is going on. She calls it perfectly simple. And this time, it's Harry's turn to call bullshit. As he says, whatever is going on right now is far from simple. Yeah. It's not even in the same area code as simple. He sullenly tells them that they just don't understand. And Hermione begs him to help them understand. And he says, fuck that noise,
0: and pieces out. And this is where we're ending the movie section. Yeah, mic drop. Mm-hmm. As per usual, the book chapter goes on a bit more. Because poor Harry has one more detention, and that thing that never once existed in this movie actually plays a pretty big role in the book. Mm-hmm. And we have Quidditch tryouts to learn about. We do. So Friday starts like... All of the other days that week, which means it sucks. Mm-hmm. And Harry starts off looking for Hagrid, still not there. Then immediately begins to panic over his pile of homework that just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that he has another detention.
1: I bet he can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah.
0: And pretty much the only thing positive that he has to get him through this day is knowing that it's almost the weekend and... The glimmer of light that is he can kind of see the Quidditch pitch from the window in Umbridge's office. Ah. It's the little things. Yep. They get you through the day. And when your day is that bad, it has to be. Yeah. So for what he hopes is going to be the last fucking time, Mm -hmm. five o'clock, he knocks on the door goes in to find the parchment and the fucking quill already ready for him. Mm hmm. He gets a nice Pepto-bitch-mall smile. Like she does. As she tells him that he knows what to do. Oh, eat a dick, lady. So he sits down, picks up the quill, glances out the window, realizes that his view means he's not actually going to know which one is Ron trying out. Mm -hmm. But starts writing. And this time, his hand immediately starts bleeding. Yeah. It starts bleeding. It's not really healing. And because she's a bitch and wants to make sure he misses all of the Quidditch dryouts, she keeps him really late again. Of course. Gets to the point where it's getting dark outside. He can't see the pitch at all. But I mean, he keeps trying. Like, he tries to keep writing and glance out the window. Just, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to pause and have her hear it and suspect that he's yeah. trying to look out the window.
1: Yeah. I can only imagine how fucking messy that desk is because
0: he's got to be bleeding everywhere with that thing right now. But literally, like he's just bleeding all over the parchment, not just from where he's writing. It's just dripping Mm -hmm. all over it from his hand because it is the hand holding the quill and not the opposite hand. Yes. After it gets dark, it's only about another half hour that Pepto Bitchmall goes to check on him to see if he's gotten the message. Mm -hmm. And she takes his hand to get a good look at it. And when she touches him, he feels a pain in his scar. Well, that's odd. Especially since he also feels kind of a weird sensation around his midriff. Mm -hmm. And it causes him to like snatch his arm away from her. And this is the closest that he's come to showing any kind of weakness because she thinks that he's reacting to the pain in his hand. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, yes, that hurts, doesn't it? Oh, you sick bitch. Yeah, messed up. But Harry also is super distracted by the pain that he felt in his scar and the weird feeling in his stomach, mm-hmm. because the last time that happened when somebody touched him, they were possessed by Voldemort. Yeah. So he's kind of like freaking out and jumps up, pulls his hand back. Like I said, mm-hmm. and Umbridge decides that she's made her point and she tells him that he can go. So he just like grabs his stuff and just bolts out of the office, doesn't even care to get out of her earshot. Just runs back to the Gryffindor yeah. tower, gives the password. Goes through the portrait hole and is initially distracted by the sound of celebration mm-hmm. because Ron made the Quidditch team. Yay! He is the new Gryffindor keeper. Or should I do it? Woohoo! <laughs> yes. Yay, Ron! And Harry is trying really hard to just like smile and say, that's brilliant. And he really is actually happy for Ron, but he is just messed up right now. There's a lot of stuff going on in that kid's head at this moment. So Ron gives him butterbeer and looks around for Hermione, who's sleeping in an armchair because she's been staying up late doing her own shit. Mm -hmm. George thinks that they should just let her sleep. And Harry looks (laughs) around and sees a bunch of first years with as it says, unmistakable signs of recent <laughs> nosebleeds. So they've been testing some nosebleed nuggets, mm-hmm. taking advantage while the cat's asleep. The yes. mice are gonna fuck shit up, basically. <laughs> but Katie Bell then wants Ron to come try on all of her Woods old robes. Oliver Wood. That's what I said. All of her Wood. Oliver Wood. That's what I said. Moving on. <laughs> and as Ron moves away, Angelina joins Harry and actually does apologize for how she was acting earlier.
2: Mm-hmm. Kind of
0: mentions that like the pressure of being captain is more than she expected. And now she kind of feels like she's been really hard on all of her wood. Oliver Wood, by the way. That's what I said. Oliver Wood.
1: Oliver Wood. God damn it. <laughs>
0: But she also confesses that Ron's really not that great. There were actually a couple people that flew better than he did, but mm-hmm. she knows that he comes from a family with other really talented Quidditch players. and he got good stock. Yeah, yeah, she's hoping that he's going to get trained up and show more talent than he showed today. Hoping she's, like, moldable at right. this point, you know? And she asks Harry to help mold him. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, Harry agrees. Mm -hmm, And then Angelina walks off to go talk to Alicia Spinnet, And Harry decides to go wake up Hermione, who kind of startled awake. Yeah. Immediately makes a comment about how great it is that Ron's made the team and then confesses how tired she is. Because she stayed up past one making more of those hats.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Those goddamn hats. Those goddamn hats. She says that they're disappearing like mad, which makes... Harry, look around and see more concealed hats. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of wonder what our keepers think about Hermione doing this to the elves. Because we've talked about how complicated this situation is yeah. like freeing them when they may not want to be freed and the whole. Yeah. So I want to get their input. And then that kind of response can then later fuel our Potterheads a History episode, too. Mm-hmm.
1: I like it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So I think
0: that should be our Potter Pondering. Yeah. But he then moves on from all of the hat talk and explains to Hermione what happened when Umbridge touched his hand. hmm Which Hermione, being Hermione, immediately knows that Harry's worried you know who's controlling her. Yeah. Like he had controlled Quirrell. hmm But doesn't think that's necessarily possible since Voldy has a body now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like he can really possess her. So she suggests that maybe she's, under the Imperius
1: curse. It's interesting that now she's the one who's not like, oh, this is Voldemort. This has got to be Voldemort. This is like fucked up. Something's got to be going on. Like she's actually the one going, I don't
0: She know. might just be fucked up. Yeah. She also points out that he has just had random pains in his scar when people weren't touching him. So, yeah. So her solution is to go tell Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And Harry is still on the I don't want to bother the headmaster train. Mm-hmm. But Hermione really thinks that Dumbledore would want to know this. Like, you should bother him with this. Yeah, this is his thing. This man. is his thing. And Harry's just like, yeah, because my scar is the only bit of me that Dumbledore does care about. I got to say, that's kind of a sick burn. I can't blame him for feeling that way at this right? point. Right From
1: Harry's point of view. I mean, I don't know what else he would be Think, thinking. Yeah. yeah,
0: And Hermione does try to contradict this, but Harry's just already passed it mm-hmm. and he's saying that i'll just write to sirius instead and hermione says you can't put that in writing like what if somebody intercepts it yeah he's like fine whatever i'm just gonna go to bed (laughs) taking my ball and going home guys he tells hermione to say good night to ron for him and hermione's like oh no if you're going to bed i can too without being rude i'm so tired i've been (laughs) i've been staying up so late making those hats and i want to make more tomorrow you could join me if you want
1: bitch do you want to talk about my week right
0: now Harry literally could have just said, I have way too much homework. I'm sorry. Instead, he tries to pretend like he's actually tempted by this offer and just, oh, no, I don't think I'll be able to. And just, like, goes (laughs) upstairs. Just like, oh, I can't bolt. Yeah. And Hermione's just like, (laughs) aw. And that's where the book chapter ends. Yeah. Good times.
1: And even though we had movie scenes to talk about, we don't actually have any new actors to talk about. So we're just going to... Roll right into our Potter pondering, which again was, what are your thoughts on Hermione's woolly bladder hats to free the house elves?
0: Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Kristen Bainline. She writes, My name is Kristen Bainline. The Wizarding World sorted me into Gryffindor, but I don't agree. I feel that Slytherin is more my style, maybe even Hufflepuff, but I am definitely not a Gryffindor. My Patronus is a Bloodhound, and my wand is Cypress with a phoenix feather core, 12.5 inches in length, with supple flexibility. I was introduced to the Harry Potter series through a high school boyfriend when we went to the movies. I saw the first movie and instantly fell in love. My boyfriend at the time accidentally got me book number two for Christmas, so I went out and purchased book one for myself. After reading those two, I bought the books one by one and attended every midnight release. I enjoy the books just as much as I enjoy the movies. My dad spoiled the ending of Half-Blood Prince with Dumbledore's death and he never heard the end of it from both my mom and me. I cried when Hedwig got killed and always get emotional when we see Snape's memories of Lily in the Deathly Hallows. I owned three wands, Dumbledore's, Voldemort's, and Newt's. I also went out and got a Deathly Hallows tattoo. Harry Potter is a nice escape from my reality and my absolute favorite series to put on in the background. The series was even my first set of audiobooks I listened to at work. I do hope to one day share this series with my niece. She's only three right now, so I have some time. I love your podcast and I'm happy I started listening. Your Potter Ponderings are great. I'm hoping to kick myself in the butt and start responding more. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Kristen. Yes, thank you. And make sure you start
1: that niece early. Yeah. You can never start them too early. Never. Mm -mm. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, Why does Filch try to confiscate Harry's letter? The first one who responds with
0: the correct answer and the code word hashtag tip off will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling@gmail.com gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it.
1: Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to
0: check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support
1: us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com justkeeprolling.
0: As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot, and the sort of corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just
2: Just keep keep rolling. rolling.